0: Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Welcome. I am so glad you're here today. Because realistically, the message that we're going to focus on is absolutely life transforming. I'm not sure many of you know, but yesterday we sent off a crew of our young people to Silver Birch. And we have Willie and Amanda as our counselors, and they're there right now. And as I open in prayer, I'd like to also remember them. So let's pray before we dig in today. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the opportunity that you have given each one of us to meet and to worship. God, you are an awesome God. You're bigger and greater and more powerful. You have more wisdom than we can even imagine. And we can call you our friend. You are a savior. You are a judge. You do all things perfectly in your timing. And we, when we try to understand who you are, we scratch our heads. But we are so grateful for your love and your faithfulness. We come before you, Lord, hungry and thirsty. We we ask that you would teach us today. We ask, God, that you would do something just unbelievable in each one of our own hearts. That, that you, God, would change our perspective of you. We thank you for all the churches in the area all those who are lifting up the name of Jesus. Not only in this area, Father, but all over our country and our world, all in different places, all in different venues. We gather to praise you and to honor you and to love you. Father, we ask you that you would be especially with our little ones downstairs, that you would be with their teachers And that they would understand more of how much you love them. We thank you, Father, for the sacrifice of Willie and Amanda. And we pray, dear God, that you would be with each one of the kids who are at camp. Not only our kids, but all the kids. That they would see you differently, experience you differently. That they would come home assured of their relationship with you and excited to be a follower of Jesus. God, we are we're going to open up your word now. We need your spirit to guide us and to direct us, to convict us and to empower us. God, we ask that you would do that today. We love you, and in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, Sharon and I just returned from a week of vacation, and we had an amazing time with our families, but, but we've been gone two Sundays, and two Sundays almost feels like eternity in some ways. Right before that, we just finished our focus on Christ's longest recorded sermon. And while I was gone, we heard from Pastor Blake sharing from Isaiah about our awesome God. Today, I'm going to follow up Blake's message. For the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the greats. But focusing first on how awesome our God is sets us up beautifully for Jesus' words today. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 11. And so you can start opening your Bibles there, or you can uh, begin to look at your flat screens. But before we get to our actual text, I'd like to put Matthew 8, 9, 10, and 11 into context. As I mentioned, we just finished studying the Sermon on the Mount. Right after Jesus gave this sermon, he began traveling around, healing, announcing the good news that the kingdom was here. He was calming storms, and he actually continued to call disciples to himself. Jesus saw the tired and the weary and the discouraged crowds wandering like sheep without a shepherd. It's a pretty sad sight for a shepherd. I'd like to read, actually, in Matthew chapter 9, what Jesus spoke. He said this to his disciples. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. When Jesus looked out, he saw people scrambling hoping their Savior would come soon. Israel was desperately wanting deliverance from both the political and the economic pressures they were experiencing. Jesus, this small-town carpenter, did not fit into their Messiah box. But Jesus was the Messiah, the long-awaited king who had come to restore and mend broken bodies and hearts. He came to bring order to the chaos of life and bring rest to the weary. He gave us significance and direction and a reason to live. That's why Jesus and the 12 and the apostle Paul kept talking about the kingdom's good news. They couldn't believe that the king had finally arrived. Christ's generation was confused. It was helpless, aimless, harried, and shepherdless. So he urged his disciples to pray for laborers because as he looked out, he saw these people and their condition. So he said, Pray. Pray for laborers. Pray because these people were ready for good news. They were ready for a relationship with the king. Jesus saw a need, so he asked others to join him in prayer. We have needs all over this church, and we are just about in a place where we're going to be launching so many ministries this fall. I encourage you, to join us this Tuesday for corporate prayer beginning at 6 o'clock, where we pray for laborers, where we listen to Jesus' words. Then Jesus gave some last-minute instructions and sends all 12 of the disciples in chapters 9 and 10 back into their neighborhoods to share God's presence and power and wisdom and love with their family, friends, and neighbors. He, He didn't actually even send them out to a foreign field. He didn't send them out to places they were unfamiliar with. He sent them back home with this message. You've heard me preach the message, Jesus said. You've, had, you've seen me heal and encourage and strengthen. You've seen miracles all over. Now you go back. You do the same thing that you saw me do. Their assignment was to let others know that the king and the kingdom had arrived. Wow. Do do you understand what good news this is? Do, Do you understand this is just not some biblical facts? Oh, okay, yeah, the Messiah came. Great, good deal. No. This is something for centuries. People have been looking for, hoping, and praying Will you give us relief? Will you give us rest? Will you give us hope for the future? Will you give us strength for today? And that's what Jesus did. He came on the scene. Now once Jesus sends out his disciples, his boys, he leaves to preach in Matthew chapter 11. And this is where we're at. It's one of the few times Jesus was not with his disciples, at least recorded. One of the few times he did not do life with other people. He sent them out. He's going to debrief with them in just a little bit. But now when he sends them out, Jesus says, hey, I have an opportunity to be able to also go out and teach. (laughs) this is unex- this is unbelievable because the verses we're going to look at today Jesus does the unthinkable some of you have heard this text a million times right at least five these aren't necessarily new words for you But if we put it in context, unthinkable. Look at Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to start reading at verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me. All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Now I think John Peterson helps us understand what Jesus is saying here. I enjoy his paraphrase as I look at this text, and he translates these verses like this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus says, you folks are tired. You're scurrying around. You're hoping for a quick fix. You're hoping that, that you will, well, have rest. We know that entertainment nor vacations don't restore our souls. They don't give us rest. Isn't it true? And even the one I just got back from, you need a vacation from the vacation, right? You're trying to put everything in. Yes, it's nice to be away or it's nice to be with your family, but you're almost more exhausted when you come back than when you left, at least in that respect. Jesus promises real rest, not just a quick fix. And he uses his words so very carefully. We do believe that every word in these scriptures is God-breathed. Every word is exactly what God wants us to understand and have. So when Jesus talks like this, he's using a vocabulary to paint a picture for us that each one of us should be able to understand. He says this, you are weary and carrying heavy loads. The word for weary, if you could put this in, is tired like a soldier or like a wrestler. Some of you have seen wrestling or actually been in, uh, on the mat. You, you've all heard stories of being a soldier. Maybe you've even fought for our country. And you recognize, well, soldiers don't always get the best, shall we say, places to sleep or food to eat. And it's day after day after day, especially in battle. Then you, you look at a wrestler, and I don't know any wrestler that after he or she is done with a match, they get up and say, oh, that was good. Let's do it again. I mean, they, they look disgusting, to be quite honest. Gross. Sweaty. Like, I don't want to even come near you kind of feeling. And this is what Jesus said. He says, You folks are looking really tired. I can see life is exhausting politically and religiously and economically. And then back in the first century, you had disease and sickness and disabilities that compound all this. But today, in spite of all the conveniences, in spite of all the things that we have to make life go better or easier. We are weary. Life is hard. And we're exhausted. Do you ever notice when you even casually talk to somebody? Say, hey, how are you doing? I'm tired. Oh, okay. Okay. Hey, uh, how you been? Oh man, busy, busy. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Oh, okay. Hey, how was last week? Oh man, you can't believe it. I hardly made it through. Eh, no, no, maybe that's not you right now. But I don't know how many of you know I greeted many of you this morning and you answered me all that exactly the same way. You did. Not everybody. Some didn't hear me and they just said, hi, pastor, how you doing? I go, okay, it's okay. But here it is. Weary, tired like a soldier, a wrestler. Burdened. And the word here is like a barge loaded or overloaded with cargo. So Jesus is looking up, looking out, and saying, you look like a sweaty wrestler, gasping for air, and you look like a barge that's overloaded with cargo. How's it going? Well, we we know the answer. The crowds were tired. Life was hard, exhausting, compounded. We are weary too. So here's the words, and and honestly, these words force me to pinch myself Jesus, did you really say this? Jesus, this is unbelievable. This is such good news. Jesus, you are the son of God. Jesus, you're our awesome God. Jesus, you're the creator. Jesus, you, you are telling me this. It can't be. It it just can't be. I mean, even when you have a good human relationship and they promise to be faithful and always there and, and, and just ready to, to walk with you on the journey, most of the time it works, I bet. Not all the time. We are talking about God offering you This unbelievable relationship. He says this, come to me. This is an imperative. This is a, it's in a tense where it happens over and over. Just don't come to me today. Come to me tomorrow. In fact, come to me every hour. Come to me every day. Come to me every week. Just keep coming to me and you will keep getting refreshed. This is a promise. And we look at this even theologically. Initially, this happens because our debt for sin has been paid. Everyone that comes to Jesus and receives him as Savior, their debt is paid. They are now a son or a daughter of God. That's amazing. But daily also. Because sin is no longer our master. And we can have Jesus Walk with us every day. Jesus is saying, come to me. Keep coming to me. Because you're going to have your soul rest. You're going to have refreshment. You're going to be restored. And we all need to hear this message because we love doing life on our own. That's it. We don't like anybody telling us to do. I don't even care if it's Jesus, the creator, the master, our awesome God. It, we have a little bit of arrogance at times and says, really? Is that what you said, Jesus? <laughs> uh, Jesus. No. I, I mean, why doesn't lightning come at that moment? Because he's got gracious. And he extends this invitation. Then he says something that will blow us away. Now, now, some of you have been around because realistically, these messages are so important that I want to be able to share this with our flock at least once every two years. So if you were with us two years ago or four years ago, you might understand this a little bit better. But Jesus is telling this crowd, keep taking or lift up from the ground my yoke and put it on and we look at this the first century agricultural culture knew what a yoke is and most of us do not We may see pictures of it. You may have a little bit of an understanding. But for me personally, I'm more familiar with a yoke for a team of horses. As I grew up, I had an opportunity at Silver Birch to be a head wrangler there for about five years. We worked with horses. We broke horses. But one of the things that I understood was a team was much more valuable Two horses working together was worth their weight in gold compared to one horse. All right? Teams have more power, more stamina. In fact, I found this clip. We have got to watch this clip. It's only 30 seconds, but let's watch some horses. That's thousands of pounds they're, they're pulling, just you know, concrete blocks. You you got excited, huh? You're saying, Rick, I know where the fairgrounds are, and you can go watch horses pull concrete blocks, you know. But, But the truth is this, is that that had to be a good team. And what makes a good team? It's real simple. You don't have to know anything about horses. A good team is this. You have a lead horse and a submissive horse. A lead horse and a submissive horse. The lead always sets the pace and direction while the other horse listens and responds. Jesus' audience clearly understood his words. Let me try to put it this way Jesus is telling us who are weary and burdened because we plow alone. We pull alone. We do the journey alone. He is saying life is hard, but better being yoked up with Jesus. The king of kings is offering you and me a relationship to do life together, to lead us, to strengthen us, to show us what path. To show us a direction. Do you understand the invitation? And then he says, keep learning from me. You see, if you yoked up with me and you keep submitting to me and you keep taking my cues, all right? Jesus said, Life's gonna be different. Let me teach you. Go at my pace, follow my lead. He says, I am a humble and gentle teacher. So different than the Pharisees. Remember, that was the culture they were growing up in. The Pharisees did exactly the opposite. They put more burdens on people and more expectations. And you can read about that later on in Matthew 23. They just kept adding to the loads and not offering any kind of help. Jesus is the opposite. I'm creator. I'm all wise. I'm all powerful. Let's get yoked up together. Let's do life together. Then after you get yoked up, you will, and listen to this promise, keep keep finding rest. You will keep experiencing rest you'll be experiencing a restored life. But if we're honest, and, and I, I think most of you are kind of thinking through this. Hey, Rick, being yoked up does not sound like rest. All these things, you know, pulling a load, pulling a plow. Yeah, I want to sign up for that, you know. I think we're not understanding what God calls rest. So let me redefine rest for you. Rest is not sleep. Remember, God rested. He has never slept or slumbered. Rest is not recreation or pleasure. This is often escape and actually makes you more tired. Rest is peace with God, faith in God, walking with God, intimacy with God. It has nothing to do with a slower pace or an easier workload. The book of Hebrews helps us understand God's rest better. Again, some of these verses are so familiar, but they are so life-giving. We find that God's rest is not easy street. It is a life filled with giants, walled cities, and well-trained and equipped armies. Let me explain. Back after Israel was emancipated from Egypt, they had a leader named Moses. And Moses was going to take them to the promised land. A land filled with milk and honey. A land to experience all of God's goodness. A land where they would be able to be free. They'd be able to enjoy all the produce. There wouldn't be, well, Egyptian slave drivers anymore. Oh, did that sound good to these people? But what they didn't understand is that God promised them his presence, not comfort. Let me tell you one of the saddest stories in all of the Bible, and it's found in Numbers 13 and 14. If you're not familiar with this story, we're not going to read it at this moment, but you need to read this story. This this. Is a story you scratch your head, try not to judge the Israelites, all right? But this is a hard story. What happens? They come to the place, all two million Jews who are ready to go into the promised land. And Moses sends out 12 spies. One representative from each of the tribes. It says, Hey, what I want you to do is go over and then check out the land. Make sure that the land is all that God said. And they were out for 40 days and they couldn't believe what they saw. They said they came back after 40 days. The land was amazing. You can see a little picture of the grapes. You know, my, my, I'm a grape guy. I love grapes, all right? Nice, juicy grapes. I'm sensing these grapes were the size of a grapefruit, you know? That's why they're called grapefruit. Never mind. Um, what I'm saying, though, they brought back fruit. That was unbelievable. They, they couldn't, I, you grew this? You saw this? How does all this work? And then 10 of them, of them said, but, but, but the land is filled with walled cities. How are we going to do that? And the land is filled with giants. Oh, yeah. We're going to go over there and get eaten up. Like, what are you thinking? Two of them, Joshua and Caleb let's go. Do you know how awesome our God is? He's giving us this. I, I know we don't look like, you know, the greatest army in the world, but, but God's going to take care of us. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so many of you know, the butts won, literally. But there's what happened. Because Israel lacked faith and disobeyed, They chose to walk in a desert, actually die in a desert for 40 years. They could have had the grapes. They ended with the manna. God took care of them, but very different than fresh produce and fruit. That's all we can say. If you look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19, the author of Hebrews uses this experience and tries to help us understand that we are in the same boat. Let me explain. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19. So we see that because of their unbelief, because they didn't enter the land, they didn't listen. They were not able to enter the rest. Now remember, this is God's definition of rest. Walled cities, well-armed armies. So again, that probably wouldn't be our definition. So you see, Canaan's rest was not easy street. It was adventurous living, depending on God all the time, and it was the promise of his presence while they did life in a land of walled cities and giants now here's the really cool part look at chapter 4 study of verse 1 god's promise of entering his rest the land filled with walled cities and giants still stands so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you will not f- or might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, those Israelites. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for others, God said, in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been, has been ready since he made the world. And look at verses 6 and 7. Here's the promise. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God sent another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Your heart. It was a lack of faith and disobedience that put the children of Israel in the desert for 40 years. Say, well, that seems kind of harsh. I mean, what does God expect? These guys have been slaves. Uh, Excuse me, they just walked through the Red Sea. They, they did have a really good idea of who God was, how awesome God was, and the power that God had. They just chose not to listen. So you look at verse 11 of chapter 4. So let us, all of us, all those who are part of God's family right now, do our best to enter the rest Because if we disobey God as the children of Israel did, we will fail. Oh, my word. We we go back there. The promise of rest, life, peace with God still stands. But we can miss God's rest, just like the Hebrews missed it. Did you get back there in verse one, where the the scripture says, tremble with fear because some of you may choose the desert. Now, I don't know how many of you are afraid of anything, right? At least you macho guys. (laughs) I'm not afraid. Well, actually, the scripture tells us That you have every right to fear, you not experiencing what God has planned for each one of you. It only takes a little arrogance, it only takes a little bit of disobedience, it only takes a but. There are walled cities and giants. That's what it takes. But the author here says, tremble with fear. Tremble with fear. Do you understand what God says? I want you to experience rest. I want you to be yoked with me. Do you understand you can do life by yourself or you can do it with me? Life is going to be challenging, but I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you. And then in verse 11 here, let's keep diligent, working at experiencing God's rest. Working hard at making sure you don't harden your heart. Working hard to listen and obey. Because sometimes, it's not that God's word is unclear. Granted, there are some tough passages. But realistically, the scripture is really, really clear on so much. When it talks about loving your enemies and forgiveness and restoration, these are really, really clear. And this is what God. Is asking us to do. Listen to me. Let me walk with you. Let me be yoked up with you. Develop the relationship with me. Let's go back a little bit in Hebrews chapter 3. And I'm going to start reading in verse 8 because I think now you'll get this in context and understand it a little bit more. Today, When you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, God said. And even though they saw my miracles for 40 years, so I was angry with them. And I said, their hearts will always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Now look at verse 12, very important. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. He's talking to believers. He's talking to people who casually look at God's word. And their conscience is Listen. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember, I can't even tell you how many times he said this. When you hear his voice, don't Harden your heart. Every time we open this scripture, every time we read the scripture, every time God gives us a principle, we have a choice. Listen or disobey. The moment we disobey in anything, our heart gets calloused. Our heart gets hardened. Hardened. That's why the scripture says, hey, warn everybody. Warn them in your household. Warn them wherever you are. Hey, don't disobey God. It never goes well. God loves you. God cares for you. He's given us a love letter. He's given us principles. Do you realize you can live abundantly? Please, stay yoked with me. Listen to me. Now, I'm going to wrap up. But I just want to put a few things in perspective. Jesus invites you into a relationship and asks you to put his on you so you can experience rest, which initially doesn't make any sense at all. Getting yoked up, pulling a wagon or a plow. But this ultimately is a call to discipleship. It is a call to follow the king. It is a call to do life together. Yoked up means you're growing in your relationship, which happens like any other relationship. You need to spend time with the lead horse. And I mean that in no derogatory term. It all begins with coming to Jesus again and again and again. It means nurturing a relationship. It means doing life with Jesus. It means, as the scripture shared with us, working hard at obeying so our hearts stay soft and responsive and fearing, fearing that you may miss out on this. Because you can't you can miss out. You can do life by yourself. You can pull the plow. You won't know what direction to go. You won't know the pace. None of that will happen. And then he says this. And we didn't even talk about the last part of the verse. But he says, my yoke is easy. No, if you've been a believer for a while, it's not easy following Jesus. What's he talking about? What's he saying is my yoke is easy to put on. It is. And my burden is light or your burden will be light as we do life together. You see, a yoke is a perfect illustration of what a disciple looks like. It was amazing news 2,000 years ago, and I got to tell you, it's great news today. Jesus said, you're going to plow. You might as well plow with me. Jesus said, you're going to pull a wagon. You might as well pull it with me. Jesus said, you're going to be traveling. You're going to be walking. You're going to be doing a road. Why not let me lead you and set the pace? Because you will never regret that. Let's pray. Father, as I start off, I keep pinching myself. Why would my awesome God, my good, good Father, be patient with me the way you are? Why, God, Would you want to be yoked up with me? I'm so stubborn at times. I want to go my pace. I want to go my direction. I want to rest. I want, I want, I want. God, you gave us such words of life. You invite us into a relationship. Would we do that? Would we take advantage would we use the opportunity to do life together? We love you, Lord. Amen. Let's stand and respond together.